Today's show is all about books and book selling with the incomparable Katie Reads. What is up, Galaxians? Welcome to another episode of the Galaxy CDs, Rocks, and Flips Reseller Talk Podcast. We're not going to mess around today. We're going to get straight to it. Please welcome Miss Katie Reads. Hello. Wow. It's the cheering for me. It's the right? cheering. Right? The live crowd goes wild. Welcome to the show. <laughs> Thank you so much. I am so happy to be here. Thank you for inviting me to come on the show. Well, Thank you for being here. At the risk of embarrassing you, like right off the rip, uh, I, I just want to tell you how much I admire everything that you do. It is, I was looking at all the stuff earlier today, and you're, it's multiple YouTubes, multiple whatnots. You're all over Instagram and TikTok. You're reselling. You're doing crafts that you sell on Etsy and craft shows. You're in a relationship. You've got kids, and you still find time to not only do all of that well, but come on other people's shows to share your knowledge and experience. Um, I'm amazed. How do you do it all? <laughs> what, what's the saying? When you're in the trenches, you don't know how you get through it, right? Um, I, I appreciate that. Um, to say that everything is 100% all the time probably isn't realistic because I'm just one person. So. Right. Where you see some things thriving, other things may be um, suffering a little bit and, you know, vice versa. Family is always first regardless. So uh, obviously, you know, we take breaks, have to do what we have to do for right. family reasons, mental health reasons, all of that. But I don't know. I think the other thing, though, that keeps me motivated is I absolutely freaking love what I'm doing and the fact yeah. that I'm doing it full time. So I think that keeps me motivated. Even I mean, I obviously have burnout, but even when I do get burnout, I'm able to regroup pretty quickly. Yeah. Um, and I just I don't know that just the hustling. I just love the the feel of um, finding something and making a profit off of it or making something and a stranger liking it enough to buy it from me. Right. <laughs> you know right. I mean? So, uh, it's, you know, it's, it's see, and fun. I'm not, I'm not crafty at all. I can't draw a straight line with a ruler. So I have like mad respect for people that can do that kind of stuff. Cause I absolutely cannot. <laughs> I appreciate that. I appreciate that. I really just put things together and laminate it. I I'm not very, <laughs> I'm not super duper fancy. Uh, my sister is a graphic designer in the family and my other sister is the sewer baker. So uh, I guess I'm the person that can just kind of make stuff with my hands a little bit, but yeah, I appreciate that. Thank you very, very much. That's an excellent compliment and I appreciate it. So no worries. So having gone over all that, I'm going to pull you up on the main screen and let everybody know who may not know who you are and where they can find you on uh, the interwebs. Sure. So my name is Katie. I run Katie Reads on YouTube. I also have a second YouTube channel that's just my name, Katie Morgan. That's more of my lifestyle channel. And I talk about different things. Um, and I do a lot of reaction videos, especially recently with 60 Days In with my boyfriend being on that reality TV show. I talk a lot about that. Um, so I have those two YouTube channels. Then I have an Instagram. I'm also a writer. I write scary short stories. Uh, haven't written a lot recently, but I will be launching some items soon in the upcoming year of 2023. And I also have an Etsy, eBay, and Amazon. And I also am on Whatnot. Um, I do a lot of book reselling. I talk about books. I do book reviews. I make book crafts. I make bookmarks. I'm into ephemera. So like all the paper side of things, I do dabble with some media. And that's how Ryan and I kind of connected is, uh, well, we're kind of neighbors. He's in Ohio. I'm in Michigan. And <laughs> we connected through um, just kind of having the love for media. And so I do sell things like DVDs, CDs, et cetera. So that's me. <laughs> Awesome. Well, thanks for sharing. And if you are here tonight in the chat, uh, please, if you have questions for either one of us, throw them in there. There are a few people here. Uh, Aaron Rebel Junk, thank you. I saw your comment. You're in the chat at like 929 this morning. So I think you uh, <laughs> you get the props for being first. So <laughs> uh, And Derek is here, Fundamentals, who has a show coming up in a couple hours. We like crammed everything. Oh, yeah. together here tonight you just finished day. a whatnot and they're on at nine o'clock our time so yeah we so would out. i be correct in assuming that you are a lifelong book lover yeah <laughs> right so 
So the podcast can't see, but I have a three uh, bookshelf uh, <laughs> set up behind me. Uh, yeah, ever since I was a kid, ever since I was a kid, I've loved books in some shape or form. And I haven't really strayed too far from the genre. Um, I've always been into spooky stuff. Yeah. Now, was there a particular book or event that you can remember as a kid that like kind of kicked that whole thing off? Yeah, definitely. Um, American Girl, uh, Meet Addie was the first, um, well, the Addie series was the first series uh, that I ever owned. And I thought that was like really cool and fancy, you know, that I have my own book series. I was about six. Uh, one of my childhood friends, um, her mom bought me the set for my birthday and I read it. I still have it. My daughter has it right now in her room. Um, I kept that. That's, that's like my sentimental um, start uh, that got me into reading. And then after that, the basic Scholastic Fair classic, right. you know, uh, Goosebumps, R.L. Stein, Fear Street, all that kind of stuff. Yep. I don't remember like a particular book that like triggered my fascination with them, but I remember loving to read and the Scholastic mm -hmm. Book Fair and the Bookmobile was like, oh, yeah. those were the highlights of like first grade for me. Oh, so, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Oh, yes. So, what was it about spooky books? I think I just liked, at first it was more mysteries. I liked solving okay. the puzzle and trying to figure out like the whole whodunit. Like um, Murder, She Wrote was my favorite show to watch with my grandma. Um, she passed away in 2011. So I still really hang on to like that show um, and those books that they, I think they took some of the series and made them into books because I have some on that shelf right there. Um so I really hang on to that because that kind of what got me into mystery and then mystery books and like the whole whodunit thing. Nancy Drew, I read um, a little bit and then eventually it just kind of as, you know, preteen and into teen, it, you know, want something cooler. Right. So horror and, you know, right. the whole Goosebumps, R.L. Stein kind of thing. I want to be scared. Um, and then by high school, you know, it was Dean Koontz, Stephen King, um, all that kind of you know, all that kind of stuff. So, um, yeah, I think that's why I kind of started with like mystery. Right. And then that was kind of like the gateway to right, <laughs> a little right. bit more scarier stuff. And then you write that type of story as well. You said I do. Um, Tell us about writing, that. Yeah. I've been writing since a young age, uh, just for fun. Like uh, I did poetry for a little while, stuff like that. But what really got me into it was probably around 2016. I just, I don't know, just something I wanted to sit down and write a story. And so I wrote it and then I left it and then came back to it and then finally published it um, around, I think, 2017 or 2018. And it was my first published short story. And just um, having that experience of putting on Amazon KDP, publishing it myself, writing, editing it myself, my sister doing the um, cover art for it, that whole experience from start to finish was just so exciting. The fact that complete strangers were downloading my short yeah. story um, and paying to download it, it, you know, granted it was only 99 cents. I didn't have a lot of self-confidence <laughs> in my work. But it was still 99 cents. And, right. you know, um, people it's were It's like you said, it. though, the, the idea that a total stranger who does not know you and is maybe halfway across the world spent the 99 cents to get your work is just there's that's yeah. a it's a reward I, more than the money. Yeah, because uh, with books, it's, you know, I'm a nobody. Nobody really knows me as far as an author. Um, it's not like I'm a popular name. I didn't have any other stories out there. So just based on my synopsis, they took a chance and spent 99 cents on me. Right. So it was really empowering. I did write two more. Um, they're standalone short stories, but they do intertwine. There's Easter eggs between all three of them. And I do have an anthology coming out um, either at the end of this year or going into next year. I haven't decided yet because I haven't decided how many short stories I want in the anthology. Um, and then props to my writing group. I've been in a writing group since 2017 and they really, really encouraged me, gave me inspiration, gave me critique. Um, we've done two anthologies together since I've joined that group. Uh, nice. They're really, really talented individuals and they're local. They're right here at my local library. And so just, you know, props to them 
as well because they really kept me focused and motivated with it and made me realize that I do have the talent there. So that's kind of the validation that you need a little bit. Um, yeah. and they're not biased. Like they, they, their critique is, a uh, uh, very savage you know. sometimes, <laughs> but you need that. You need, right. No, that's that, good. That I was going to say, you, and, yeah. When I look back, I've said this, I don't know how many times, but the like basketball coach that was the hardest on me that I disliked the most at the time, looking back is the one that I got the most out of. Yes. Like mm-hmm. I look at my four years of playing and that was the best year because that guy was, he was honest with me about the things I needed to work on that maybe I didn't think I needed to work on. So yeah, that's super helpful to have people that will be open and honest like that. Yeah. So, so I, I really appreciate that group. At what point did you decide that this love for books could turn into a business? Uh, I've always been on eBay. I've been on eBay like over 10 years. I've always sold miscellaneous items here and there, sold on Facebook Marketplace. My dad ran an eBay store. So like the whole like flipping thing and hustle thing I've been a part of for a while Books specifically happened for me in 2019. Um, Before then, I was doing bookstagram. So people were paying me or giving me free copies of their books um, to read, write a review. I had a whole blog, like the whole thing. Um, It's gone now. But uh, after that, I was like, how do I still stay in the stay in the book scene, but like enjoy what I'm actually doing? Because I didn't enjoy that. Like it was just. You know, it just you have to read a lot of bad books. Well, that and it's (laughs) like, you know, if I don't like the book, then I have to give an honest review. And I hate like bringing another author down like that. And then it's just like I had such a big backlog because there's so many self-published authors out there. And that's what they want is that like attention. So my Instagram following was great. And I was able to give that attention to people. Um, and provide value and get the word out about their book. But like, I just, it became too much of a job and not a hobby that I enjoyed. And then I found myself like just doing nothing but books in my queue. I wasn't reading the books on my bookshelf that I enjoyed. Like I was just reading these books in my queue. So I stepped away from it. Um, And honestly, it, you know, Eventually, it could have been a good income, I'm sure, especially with the blog and all the things that you can do with that. I could have made a YouTube channel out of it and done all types of different things, but my heart just wasn't in it. And so after probably a good eight months, I decided to step away from it. But I still wanted to be like somewhat in the book community and I was dabbling with writing. So I did writing for a little while. And then in 2019, one of my friends gave me four tubs of books and she was like, here, if you want to take it to the local bookstore, get some store credit. And initially that's what I was going to do, but I knew the store credit wasn't going to be that great. And I was looking through some of the books and they were like religious philosophy, um, mysticism, you know, spiritualism, just really niche, modern new age stuff that sells really well. And a lot of them were like from the sixties or no longer in print or whatever. And I'm looking them up on eBay just out of curiosity. And I'm like, this is, this is a $25 book. And I know the book's only going to give me three bucks. So if I decided to, (laughs) I I dove in, I knew nothing about media mail. Like I think the first book, like I did free shipping and paid like nine dollars at the post office to get it shipped out priority like my profit on my first book sale was really bad it was like four dollars but (laughs) i just i just dove in yeah that's how we learn yes because analysis paralysis can really hurt you and so i'm glad that i dove in because i learned my i failed in some things quickly and then dove into YouTube and Instagram and found the reseller community and learned a little bit, but nobody was talking about books. So that interested me because I'm like, why is no one talking about books? Why is it only Amazon FBA? Why is nobody talking about books on eBay? And while Amazon definitely commands a bigger audience yes, and um, definitely has a good book market, eBay has a certain audience as well and has a certain good book market based on genre, vintage, antique, collectible, all those things that I don't think Amazon really has. So after about a year, I decided, you know what, I think I'm going to make a YouTube channel. And then finally, Derek interviewed me. And that was the end of 2020. 
And I, he's like, you need to make a YouTube channel. Everybody's like, right. you make a YouTube channel. And so I finally said, you know what? I'm just going to put the content out there that I wish I had in the beginning. Yeah. So that's what started the whole book thing. And that's what started the whole YouTube thing. And I really like the niche. Like I, I sell other things, but I really like the niche of books because yeah. I care about it. And I know that I am rehoming them, keeping them out of landfills. I run a free book pickup service in my local community. So you know, I'm keeping books out of landfills, even my local community, working with other charities, recycling, repurposing, like all the things. Um, so I've been able to like have that motivate, motivate me with my mission of selling books. So long winded answer. There you go. <laughs> no, no, that's perfect. And it's one of those things you got into the same trap that I did when I opened my record store. I was a lifelong music fanatic. Mm -hmm. And at some point it turned into work and I lost that love so it was good that you recognized that and found some other way to like still be able to make a business out of it but not lose that passion right you mentioned the uh the free book pickup service uh tell me about that yeah so i started dabbling with amazon fba a few months into selling on ebay um, I thought it was like going to make me super duper rich. <laughs> um, and it, That's you what know, the YouTube and, videos would lead you to believe. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, Amazon FBA has its, its place 100%. I have many friends that have a full-time income and are making excellent money on that. So I don't want to dog Amazon FBA at all. Uh, I still use it still to this day. But eBay is just, I don't know. It pays my bills. So I prefer eBay a little bit more than I do Amazon. But I started a free book pickup service because that's what I was kind of encouraged to do by my mentor at the time, Matt Adolf. He doesn't really have a big like social media presence, but he was a really, really big uh, bookseller. And he was going to bookstores and learning about the trade. He was talking to publishers. He was figuring out how people were getting direct buys from publishers. Like he dove in super deep down the rabbit hole of books. So in the time that I had with him, I mentored with him for about six months. And in the time that I had with him, I explained, I don't have capital. Like I right. can't go and buy a gay Lord of books. And for those who don't know what a gay Lord of books is, that's literally a huge, box on a pallet full of books that's probably you know four feet high or five feet high like it's a huge thing of books and a lot of the uh hey tay a lot <laughs> of the um booksellers buy them in large quantities like that because right. booksellers know you know eight out of ten books aren't really worth it for amazon they might be worth yeah. it for ebay but aren't worth it for amazon um because amazon fba fees are a little bit different structure than ebay so I was like, I, don't I get asked all the time why I don't sell on Amazon. And that is exactly why, because the stuff that I typically have just doesn't always make financial sense there, okay. but it does on eBay. So, mm -hmm. yep. Yep. And I don't mind storing it. FBA definitely is nice. You send it off to the warehouse and they handle it. Um, but it's got to sell quickly. It's got to sell for yes. a good profit. There's, there's so many things. Um, so I do love Amazon. As far as books, I've kind of backed away from that and focused a little bit more on like other category products, but I won't digress. So I didn't have capital and I was explaining that to the person that was mentoring me at the time. And he's like, ask for free books. And I'm like, what are you talking about? He's like, a closed mouth doesn't get fed. Ask for free books. Tell people what you're doing. I'm like, I still work a corporate job. If I tell people that I'm selling books online, they're going to look at me like I have a unicorn coming out of my forehead. Like I was so right. scared to talk about what I was doing. And finally, I just, you know, sucked it up and decided, you know what, I'm going to talk about what I'm doing. So I had my sister design an ad for me. And I made a Google voice phone number because security was kind of important to me. I didn't sure. want to give out my personal phone number. I made a business email, right? And I put myself out there. And, you know, now since 2019, now I have connections with both the colleges in my area. I work with five different uh, schools in my county, elementary to high school. I work with the school districts. I work with some churches. Um, I still have just random people being like, hey, I have books. Do you want them? I have old professors reaching out to me. I have, I just had a viewer. If you check out my channel, I had a viewer in Michigan drive to me and give I me three boxes of books. 
So it's really just putting yourself out there um, and, you know, having the preliminary questions. It's got to be worth my time and gas. But um, yeah, so that's what got me started with getting the free book pickup service. And then I just realized the need. You know, people see books as junk or they don't want it anymore. I was, you know, for me, I have to have a spiritual connection in some way to what I'm doing. And how I knew I was on the right path with it is one lady, I went to her house and she was cleaning out her dad's estate. He had passed away. She lived in Florida and she was in my area. And she said, the auction house won't take the books. I don't know what to do. I've picked out the ones that are from my childhood, but I don't know what to do with the rest of these. And then she just started crying. And like, I am a... Uh, I want to say I'm a comforting individual, but when you're a stranger and you're crying, like they're there, I don't know. I don't know what to do to comfort you because I don't know you. So it's like, Oh my God, what do I say? And so I just finally told her, you know what? I'm here to help you. And we're going to take care of this. And you're not going to have to worry about it. And she just was like, Oh my God, thank you. Like you just literally saw the weight, you know, fall off. And so I cleared out 12 boxes of books. And out of those 12 boxes of books, I was able to sell about three or four of them. Um, some were pretty damaged. He didn't really store them very well. So some were pretty damaged and they had to get recycled. But I helped her out and I made a profit. And so it's like that kept me going with this free book pickup service. Yeah. And a lot of people um, dog it because they feel like the, uh, you know, it's, is it worth my time? But um, for me, it has. And it's been invaluable as far as networking, too. This is a great way to network with people um, because they're going to tell somebody that tells somebody that tells somebody. So I love what I do with that. And I um, it and while now I have the capital to purchase books and I do, um, I will never stop the free book pickup service just because, well, financially it makes sense. But it's just become such a purposeful thing for me. That's awesome. How do you determine what kind of questions do you ask somebody who contacts you and says, Hey, I've got an attic full of books. How do you decide whether it's worth your time to go and actually take a look? Absolutely. So in my ad, I talk, I do list about five different genres that I'm interested in. And then when they reach out to me, I say, okay, do you have anything else? Like, do you have fiction, this or that or whatever? Because I, will ask like, you know, how many boxes or how many bags? Um, I will not take them loose. They have to be boxed up or bagged. I am not a packing service. Um, it's literally a pickup. So like it's on your porch, I pick it up, I leave. Or it's, you know, on the corner and I pick it up and leave. Um, I don't go into people's houses. Like I, you know, I have some strict rules with it, but I ask them, they tell me what they have, um, depending also on what they have. I sometimes ask for pictures. They might send me sure. some pictures. Uh, we just kind of go back and forth with that a little bit. Um, I ask if anyone referred them because sometimes like I keep a list of people that I've worked with in the past. And so sometimes based on the referral, I might feel more comfortable because that person you know, was a teacher and this person's a teacher and I'm going to probably have a lot of textbooks and, you know, just stuff like that. So it's just case by case. And I ask about that. And then if they only have like one box, I'll say, okay, so this is your nonfiction. Do you have any fiction? Do you have any ephemera? Do you have, I also do DVDs and CDs. Um, I also take VHS. Like I'll go on a little bit more. um, And then that usually turns into a bigger pickup that makes it worth my time. Right. Do you have people that uh, try to get you to buy the stuff? Or um, is it, are they pretty clear that, hey, I just want to get rid yeah, of this stuff and she's offering to pick it up? Yeah. Yeah. Because of how I advertise, I advertise that I am a cleanup service, a free book pickup service. Um, we can get your unwanted books, your, un- you know, those things out of, you know, so I kind of provide it as like this cleaning service in a way. Um, and so nobody has asked, uh, Hey, John, how are you? Um, hi everybody in the chat, Lord, Jake, <laughs> Brian, and everybody. Sorry. Um, so I, nobody we're just rambling asked. on here and not even, mm-hmm. 100%. <laughs> uh, nobody has necessarily asked. I have had some people ask me what I do with them. And I'm honest. I say that I am a full-time book reseller with a mission of keeping books out of landfills. So anything I can't sell or repurpose or upcycle gets given to local charities in our area, or if they're heavily damaged, they get recycled. Right. Um, but heavily damaged, I typically don't take, but sometimes it just happens. It's in the mix sometimes. And sometimes if people genuinely have good intentions and they didn't know, like it's yeah. 
grandma's stuff. You know what I mean? Um, and I've had some people say, okay, I'm going to pass. I'm going to give it to the library. Well, it's, you're going to end up with them anyway. Probably. <laughs> the library has my business card because typically the library is only going to take so much because they're going to do like their monthly book sale for the friends of the library book club right. thing. But for the most part, a lot of the libraries in our immediate area, my immediate area, don't take books um, that are donated because they are, you know, whatever the case may be, they don't take them. So they have my business card to reference people to me. Yeah. So that's that's the only negative thing that's really come out of it is people have been like, well, why am I going to give you my books if you're just going to sell them? The great thing is, is you don't have to. You contacted right. me. So. <laughs> Right. Exactly. Well, and I just went through that kind of with somebody last week. Uh, they had reached out to me, referred from a little bookstore locally that they only take donations mm. and somebody wanted to sell the books. So she referred them to me because she knows I buy. Mm. And when I got there, I'm looking at them and half of them are like missing pages and they're just destroyed. And I'm like, I can buy these from you, but I essentially what I'm going to do is I'm going to pay you for the ones that are decent and I'm going to take the rest of the junk away and deal with it for you. So it's not, we're not talking about $500 here. You know what I mean? <laughs> so it's still the same kind of thing where you can provide a service that helps them out and then you're stuck with weeding out kind of the good ones from the bad ones. But yeah. you, you mentioned some specific categories that you tend to look for um, go through those and tell us what, what it is about those categories that makes them so appealing. Um, and I'm kind of revising that, but so I mentioned antique and, uh, vintage. Um, and then I mentioned religious because nonfiction sells well. It just does. Um, and then I mentioned textbooks, textbooks sell well on Amazon or eBay. So I kind of double dip with my advertisement a little bit, um, because I can kind of Send anything that won't work for Amazon, I can do on eBay. Do you cross um, post? Books. Do you I'm do sorry? the same book on like multiple sites or do you send stuff that is Amazon is not the stuff that's going on eBay? They're totally separate. Uh, they're totally separate because I do strictly Amazon FBA. I don't okay. do Amazon Merchant Fulfilled. Um, I thought about doing it, but I have a good storage limit with uh, Amazon FBA. So I don't really have a need to necessarily... Hi, mom's closet. I don't have a need to necessarily have anything here. Um, and that was the beauty of running them parallel together. One is in a warehouse that's off my property. And another one is, you know, um, here in my dungeon basement. So, right. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't, I don't cross list that way. I do sometimes cross list. Uh, well, back when I was on Macari, I would cross list eBay and Macari. Um, but I've stepped away from Macari. And then now, as far as with eBay, I would say I'm reviewing like a year and older, like stale inventory and actually transitioning those to whatnot auctions or anything that isn't. I have like a specific profit margin for just to maintain a higher average sales price. I have a specific profit margin that I look at for eBay and Amazon. And so if neither of those are there for a certain book, um, I will bring it to whatnot as well. Um, and it's just a great way to give people some free books and rehome them, uh, some cheap books. I shouldn't say free cheap books. Right. right. <laughs> So Joe asks, do you specify anything about odor up front? Because yes. this is, I ran into this once. I bought a big, big lot of science fiction book club books, which were really, really cool. But yes, they so reeked. It smelled like an ashtray. Every box I opened up, <laughs> it was just a nightmare. So uh, I know, learned that lesson. People, but People tell me there's ways to get rid of the smell, but I... One, like, where where am I going to keep it while I'm trying to get out, get rid of the smell? I'm not going to put it in my storage unit, and I'm not going to bring it to my home. So where am I? You know what I mean? Right. Like, where would I keep it to where I, where I'm trying to get the smell out of it? Um, and I don't want to keep it in my garage because that's not temperature controlled. And then I risk, you know, the books getting damaged if it gets too cold or too hot or moisture starts. You you know what I mean? And so I don't mess with it. And so when they reach out to me, I ask the condition of the books. I guess I should have said that earlier when you were talking about things that I asked them. I asked them what they have. I asked them the condition. I asked them how much they have. And we just kind of continue with the dialogue back and forth. 
Um, right, because you got to fish a little bit. Because most people, yeah. not intentionally, but they don't understand condition. Because I and I see it no. on eBay all yeah. the time. I see a book that looks like it's literally falling apart. I've got one Very that's <laughs> I would call acceptable and it's in way better shape than that one that is listed as very good or like yeah. new or I mean like how can you do that but yeah. so that's you run into that where people yes. just genuinely don't understand they're like if the yeah. pages are now, not falling out of it smell, like if it's from the basement or something like that or like just like the old book smell that's common and honestly some collectors like it so right. I, you know, that's not a big thing for me. It's the smoke smell. Um, and actually I purchased a book from a garage sale one time and this is my one and only experience with a smoke smell. I didn't realize it smelled like smoke and it was like a really sought after vintage book. And so I listed it, put it in one of my containers. It sold within a couple days. I packed it up. Like it just, it was moving a lot. So it wasn't like sitting dormant for me to like really sniff yeah. it, I guess. <laughs> and um, I got a response as soon as it was delivered. Right. And they said, this smells like smoke. I really, I don't want it. And I said, well, I don't want it either. So don't worry about returning it. Here's your refund, yeah. you know? And so I had to return, you know, the 45 bucks that they paid for it. And that sucked. But I'm really only out the two dollars that I paid right. for the garage sale. That's um, what I always try to tell myself. And I see people that are and I've talked about this on the show, I don't know how many times that people just they don't want to do returns and they don't want to do adjustments. And I mean, I guess you're losing all that profit, but technically you're only out it was whatever the profit. the buck or two. Right. You know. It's take care of the customer and get on to the next thing. It's just not that big. a yeah, deal. Yeah, I but. hold my positive feedback so close to the chest. Like I, that is everything to me. So yeah, I want to give good customer service and I want to mm -hmm. always be able to prove to eBay that I gave good customer service. So to that end, what kind of things, when you ship out a book, what, if I ordered a book from you, what could I expect when it came to my door? What would it look like? Yeah. So, um, my goal is to always keep it in the condition of how it was listed. Uh, so, you know, if it's an acceptable condition book, it's going to get put in one of my, um, bubble mailers wrapped up, you know, and, and sent if it's a book that's pretty expensive, you know, if you buy a $250 book from me, I'm going to wrap it up a little bit more. I'm going to wrap it up in a mailer and then I'm going to put it in a box. Right. Um, so it just kind of depends also on like the condition, the value price point, things like that. Um, but yeah, I, I try to keep every book wrapped in a bubble mailer. I have these, they're about like that big, um, oh, 12 by 15 ish to the podcasters. Uh, and I just use that most of the time for my books. And then I have like some six by nine for like the smaller books. Right. Um, that are bubble mailer. So I always try to use bubble mailer. And then I have, you know, like your, um, it's kind of like newspaper paper. It's like yep. your packing paper. And I'll, uh, sometimes do a extra layer with that too, depending on the book. Um, you know, I sell a lot of ex library acceptable condition books. So yep. those, you know, I'm, it's an acceptable condition book already. So, you know, um, but the, the nicer condition ones, I do put a little bit more effort in cause I want it to get to them in the condition that I listed it. Right. How do you, what's your criteria to say something is, let's say acceptable versus good. Cause I, I am a fairly conservative grader. I've, you know, like I just mentioned, I see stuff all the time on eBay that I would not consider to be good. Mm -hmm. And I list mine as acceptable and I get a lot of feedback that uh, this is in way better condition than I expected based on how it was listed. So, too. yeah. Um, so with Amazon, Amazon trained me to be super conservative because Amazon's guidelines are very, very strict. If there right. is writing inside, it has to be considered good or acceptable right. with eBay. It can still be considered very good, even if there's possible writing inside of it, unless they've changed their, their policy recently. Um, so eBay's conditions and Amazon's conditions are so different. I just kind of always kept in the conservative mindset of that. Um, but what I tell people is when they're trying to condition a book, um, think like a buyer. Okay. And then also just read the policy. <laughs> okay. Just well, read yeah. the policy. It's very black and white. It's very easy to understand. 
And then if it's not easy to understand, reach out to people selling books and they'll give you some advice or expand on something that you might have a question on. But the policy is pretty self-explanatory. Print it out if you have to while you're yeah. listing until you get a feel for things and get used to it. I sell so much ex-library acceptable condition stuff um, that it's very rare for me to have a very good book. I will never list a book for new unless it's sealed, unless it is like right. some type of seal. Cellophane or Literally, or I got it from a publisher or like from a bookstore, like, cause I've done some RA with bookstores in the past, right? Buy directly from a bookstore and then flip it, you know, on eBay for a little bit higher profit. Um, but I, I almost will never list something as new because with books, I mean, unless it has some type of seal with it, like a textbook or that type of thing, it's, it's really hard to prove that it's new. Yeah. Um, so like new is probably the best of the best that I've ever done. And all day long, I do acceptable ex-library books and people are like, oh, nobody's going to want to buy that. No. I mean, you want to bet? That's what I do. Like, right. People nope, I'm, love, I'm the same. You know, people love that stuff. Um, am I making maybe 10 or $15 less than someone with a nicer condition? Yeah, maybe. But, you know, it's selling. I'm making money. So Right. That's and you probably don't have as much in it as that person would have had in no, one that is in much better condition. Like my average cost stuff. of goods sold is less than a quarter yes. on books. So if it's an acceptable condition, as long as I'm confident that I disclose what caused it to be an acceptable yeah. condition, I'm totally fine listing those type of books. And I know there are people that are like terrified. No, nobody's going to buy that or they're going to get it and they're going to hate it. Well, if you take good pictures and show and describe what the issue is, like you say, ex library books, man, I sell them almost as fast as I can list them there. It's yeah, crazy how people buy that stuff. <laughs> same here. I sold one overnight for $90. It's, yep. it's possible. 100%. Yep. So, other than eBay and Amazon, you, you mentioned that you did some on Mercari. What was your experience on Mercari? And then I'll tell you what mine is like. <laughs> um, you know, I'll be honest, I didn't put a whole lot of effort into Mercari because the shipping was confusing to me a little bit. And it seemed, expensive um they didn't have media mail i'm right. really really loyal to media mail um it's really the only way that you can make the profit numbers make sense on a lot of, especially bigger heavier books you look at priority yeah. mail on you know a five or six pound book i mean it's going to eat you alive there's no way to make that math work out so i agree and and with ebay i can insure it so right. even though I don't have insurance through the USPS because it's not like priority or whatever, I can still get an insurance for it. So if something happens, because yes, media mail is notorious for being damaged or broken or lost, um, broken, <laughs> damaged or lost, <laughs> broken book. Um, well, I guess a CD, a CD right. could be broken. Yeah. Um, but I can still insure it. So, so Makari, the shipping was just confusing for me and... You know, I do ship on my own. I just offer free shipping on Mercari, mm -hmm. ship on my own, and then I can I, I disclose in the description like that. Yeah, that it's media mail, so they're not expecting anything other, and that kind of resolves that. Because, yeah, their shipping is crazy. So I had up to, I want to say 50 listings. I was up to like 50, 60-ish listings on Mercari, and I sold about eight. And yeah. I gave it a good like eight to nine months and I just wasn't feeling it. Right. I just wasn't feeling it. And what seems to sell well on Macari, uh, I can purge quickly on whatnot. Um, Macari is like the generation of whatnot, but whatnot I'm selling right then live in an auction and I'm getting yeah. it out significantly faster than waiting yeah. for someone to find my listing on Macari. I also didn't understand the algorithm. Like I don't understand how they're pushing my listings. So I think for me, I was just like, eh. Right. And so I decided to close up shop with that. Um, yeah. And I did that with Poshmark as well. I was listing books on Poshmark because of I was going to ask, I thought decor. you were doing that. Yeah. Because of the home decor category. 
Um, and I was selling like Reader's Digest without the dust jacket because it looks really pretty on the front and back. Sure. And people were buying, you know, um, aesthetic interior design. But it was just slow. You know, it wasn't the, that's not really the platform. I mean, you can make book sales, but the platform is not like the traffic isn't there like it would be on other platforms. So yeah. for me, I stepped away from Macari. And then shortly after stepping away from Macari, Whatnot came out. And I kind of jumped on that bat wagon and I've been enjoying it so far. Yeah. Talk a little bit about Whatnot and what you're doing there for people that, might not be, I've never gone to a whatnot auction. I've never looked oh. into it. I, I don't really know anything about it. So this will be educational for me as well. Okay. So. <laughs> nice. Uh, so whatnot, for those that don't know about it, it is a platform that you can create an auction, an auction show. Um, anytime you want, any day you want, you can go pretty far out in advance too. Um, and you get followers, people follow you and they can bookmark your auction. And then they get a notification just like YouTube when you go live. And then you can have in that live auction, a little store where you can catalog items, kind of like listing on eBay, but really you could just put the item. You don't necessarily have to take a picture. You can take a picture. People can place a pre-bid before the auction starts. Um, you have a little buy it now section. So you have an auction section, a buy it now section, a giveaway section, um, all that attached to an auction. So what I chose to do with whatnot is purge inventory that maybe isn't at the right profit point for eBay or Amazon or is still inventory with eBay and whatnot. The demographic right now um, is, I would say, like my age and maybe younger Old so, people like me are not on whatnot. Millennials and younger. However, <laughs> however, that was when I first started because it was trading sports cards and Funko Pops and like that kind of thing. Now, whatnot has expanded their categories. Books were not a category when I first was onboarded with whatnot. I onboarded under estate sales and vintage just because that's the only category where books could kind of fall under. Sure. Now they have a book category. Now they have an arts and craft category. Now they have a crystals category. They have a jewelry category. They have um, the estate sale category. They have glassware. They have food. People auction off like um, food from other countries, like uh, okay. Japanese candies or sure. Canadian ketchup chips or, you know, all those fun kind of thing. Um, so their categories have expanded significantly, which has brought in a different buyer audience. It is very easy for the buyer, they put in their card number and their address, and you literally just click a button and, and bid. You know, it starts at a dollar. Okay, I'm bidding a dollar. It's gone up to two bucks. Do you want to bid? Bid two dollars. You know, you just keep or three dollars or you know, whatever. And um, it's very easy. And buyer always pays shipping. And your first purchase, you pay, you know, whatever the typical shipping is for that uh, weight of item. And then after that, it's based on you get a discounted uh, shipping. So it's just kind of based on weight. So a lot of people will purchase lighter items first to make the shipping cheap for them for that sure. first initial sale. And then after that. So that's where it kind of hurts for booksellers because books are heavy. And so that's where media mail was beautiful as far as like it being cheap with weight. Uh, whatnot is strictly priority mail right now or first class. So that sucks when it's books. Yeah people are paying $9. And even though I'm running this book for a dollar auction, they're essentially that makes it a $10 book. book. <laughs> I right. mean, it's still an expensive book for the buyer. Um, so it's good for the seller. Seller doesn't have to worry about, you know, shipping, but it's, you know, um, causing buyers to be a little hesitant to participate. So that is my only complaint with whatnot. Otherwise, I have had really, really great experience nice. with whatnot. Um, just before the show, I was telling Ryan, I purged a bunch of my vintage and antique books from my eBay store that had been sitting stale for about a year or more with no sales. Um, I unlisted those, put them in my whatnot auction, and I almost sold out. Um, and they, I started most of them at like one to $3 starts because they weren't like really expensive book books. Sure. They weren't like, you know, $50 or more books. And, um, a lot of them, you know, people were going as high as like $17 on some of these books. So 
you know, the auction style also kind of just, it excites people. They bid right. you know, quickly because how the bidding works is you can, uh, the max bid time is two minutes. So you got two minutes, one minute, 30 seconds, 20 seconds, 15 seconds. So it's fast. So, I mean, in an hour and a half, I went through almost 50 items wow. um, and I only have five left that didn't sell. And so that's really cool. That's fast. Yeah, that's Moving awesome. Items, you know, um, so that's really, really nice. Uh, shout out to Derek. Derek really, really encouraged me and walked me through whatnot a lot. And my recommendation to anyone who wants to dabble with whatnot as a seller is um, start as a buyer first. Just sign up as a buyer and just watch the auctions. Watch how they flow. Hi, Lizzie. How are you? Watch how they flow. Watch what people are doing. Watch how they're engaging. Um, look at people's stores, especially the category that you feel you would be most interested in selling and just kind of learn from that. And that's what I did. I learned a lot from Derek that way. Nice. What kind of tools do you use on eBay? You mentioned like stale inventory. Do you run, are you doing promoted listings? Do you do like I, every month I do like a, essentially a clearance sale where I go in and just mark literally thousands of items that are over a year old for whatever, 25, 35% off. Do you, do you do anything like that to try to keep those things moving? Yeah, absolutely. I, um, I charge shipping for everything, uh, and then just kind of factor in the promoted listing charges into my price point. And then just kind of keep that in mind whenever I'm negotiating like best offer, um, solicitations, but I do promoted listings. I do markdowns. Um, I will end the listing and sell similar again. Sometimes that brings some things. I will sometimes raise the price up and then send offers to watchers right. for like $10 cheaper. And that just kind of gets the juices flowing sometimes. Um, I leave feedback every single time someone buys something from me. I leave feedback. Sometimes that makes things happen for me. I will always counter offer on offers. Right. Um, and I go back and forth on that. If he doesn't like the offer, he's just going to decline. I always counter offer. Do you have, um, I, I've got like auto decline set up. Like I've got a, a point at which I know I'm not going to sell it below that. And I've got, what's that? I do on some. Yeah. Because yeah, I've got 9,200 listings. I'm not trying to field, mm -hmm. you know, 100 just BS offers every day. So, right, of course, of course. Yeah. With that type of volume. Yeah. I definitely agree with that. Um, and some I do have that because I may have actual cost of goods into them, or I know the value of this book and I'm right. not going to, you know, I try not to make emotional sale decisions, but sometimes it is tricky. It's like, no, I know what this book is worth. I'm going to stick it out or it's only right. been 24 hours. I'm going to stick it out. Um, so there's situations like that, but yeah, I dabble with all of that. Um, I also try and, you know, do the new coupon thing that has been worth it for me with eBay offering coupons to, uh, previous buyers. And I've, it's, Last month I did it and made six sales that way. So for me, it's nice. worth it. Um, and getting those repeat buyers that are interested in buying books again from me. So, um, so yeah. And I mean, books in general, uh, even on Amazon, you're looking at a 30 to 45 day sell through rate typically. And eBay is kind of the same way. Some books like these antique and vintage books, I expected them to sit for a while. Some of these were sitting as almost two years. So at right. that point, it's like, eh, I just, we need to move them. And it could be anything from, you know, the, it's just not a really sought after book, but someone liked it. And it's just kind of like sitting in their watch category for like ever. You know, yeah. I used to be a buyer like that on eBay. I would watch something and just like never ever pull the trigger on buying right oh so, that just happens so yeah i i do try and keep my ebay store alive with doing things like that especially with stale inventory for sure um but now that i have other ways of liquidating that stale inventory it um it helps and especially when it's already a free book pickup anyways right. i feel a little less bad hey renee and rob thanks for coming in yeah i've got tons of old stuff and i'm I'm, 
I'm not hesitant to put it on sale, but I kind of, I don't mind the long tail if it sits here yeah. for a while, you know, sooner or yeah. later, mm-hmm. I will probably find that one person that will hopefully <laughs> buy it. Yeah. And it seems like almost every day I sell something that is very old that most people probably would have given up on. So, oh yeah. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, the $500 book that I sold to someone in France, that took six months to sell. Um, I've had some books, uh, one book sold for $150, and it had been in my store uh, almost a full year. Like those I see as kind of like your long tail investments. And even with Amazon, some people will put sets or, you know, large... um, large book sets or large profit books like textbooks or whatever textbooks are so seasonal right so they know that's going to be a long tail thing so they'll send it in at a higher price point and they know it may sit again until july when kids are buying again but they're comfortable with that and it's within their storage limit range and it's not going to add any extra fees because amazon starts charging you fees after about six months i think or a year if it's been sitting there unsold, if you do FBA, so. Do you do uh, a lot of estate sales? Yes, I mean, I live in Michigan, so garage sale season is, you know, um, dying down. So estate sales is definitely my go-to. Estate sales is where I actually found a $3 uh, antique book and sold it for 500 bucks. So estate sales are my favorite um, because estate sale companies focus more on the glassware, the clothing, the um, furniture, the, you know, antiques, they don't focus as much on the books. So the books you could still get pretty cheap and make a a decent um, profit on. My only complaint with estate sales is um, I have a hard time getting them to give me some type of receipt unless they're like an established estate sale company. Cause some people are just like, what you want a receipt? So that's like kind of a struggle for me sometimes is like, getting something for my cost of goods uh, for the paperwork side. But, um, but yeah, I love estate sales, right. love estate sales. Cause those are all year long. You know, yeah. I can, I can do those all year long. Well, and to circle back to what you said kind of at the outset, it's another category that buyers don't seem to be looking at. I can go into an estate sale at oh, I, 430 I on the last day and all the books are still there. And now yeah. they are desperate to get rid of them. And I'm like, uh, I'll haul all of them away for forty dollars or whatever. <laughs> yep, yep. It's awesome. Absolutely. There's barely any book competition at estate sales. Library sales, it's different, um, but estate sales, yeah. Yeah. I well, even really- that, I've found at library sales, for some reason, I don't seem to run into a lot of reseller competition because there are a lot of books that fit kind of my business model mm-hmm. that are still there even late on friends of the library type sales. So mm-hmm. yeah, I have that experience too, because I, I dabble with eBay when I was trying to focus strictly on Amazon exclusively. I tried that for about two months and it just, I, I just needed the eBay piece of it um, because of how Amazon's profit margins kind of work. Um, but when I was going strictly for Amazon, I mean, it's, they're out there with their scanners. They are there. They're the second person in line. Yeah. Like they are just aggressive. Um, so now that I know eBay, even if an Amazon uh, seller has already, you know, gone through everything, right. I can still grab yep. a lot and still make some good money. And I actually did that. A lady went through the religious section and almost cleaned it all out. I grabbed four Bibles, a, um, catechism book and a prayer book by some well-known priest. And I sold that small catechism book for 45 bucks. I sold, I sold the Bible for 25. Like I still got a killing with profit that she couldn't put on Amazon, but I could put on eBay. So, right. I was going to say, that's the thing. I I see the people with the scanners all the time and their target items are different than mine. So I don't, you know, we, I talk to those guys all the time and we're looking at completely different stuff. So, you know, we can go through all the same stuff and just to eat, you know what I mean? You both like there's, there's plenty of pie for both of you. So, you know, I, the whole competition thing, it, I wish some weren't so aggressive because it's like, dude, it's okay. It's okay. (laughs) Like you will, you know, nobody's trying to steal anything from you. It's okay. 
So yeah. Well, yeah, you walk into like a Friends of the Library sale and it's in a gymnasium. I mean, it's there's tables and tables of books and you got guys that are like fighting over stuff. It just doesn't oh, yeah. <laughs> just oh, go yeah. to the next table. <laughs> yes. yes. Yeah, for sure. So uh, we're at about an hour here. I like to keep these at about an hour so people okay. can get on with their lives. Uh, are there any like best practices? Because like we talked about a couple of times people tend to ignore the book and media category by and large. And if they wanted to get into books, what, what would you tell them they should do? How would they get started? I, I get asked that question all the time. And it's like, you should have a great answer. I don't know where to start. (laughs) I don't know where to start with answering that because it's like, what do you want to do? Do you want to do eBay or Amazon? Because my answer is going to change based on what you want to do. So if they don't know that, but let's just say they're like, when you got started, you were just a book lover and I want to do something with books. Which of those two platforms for you has a lower barrier of entry that somebody could get in and like start selling today? Yeah. So eBay, Uh, my answer has changed to eBay. It used to be Amazon. Even with a personal account, you could get on Amazon, download the Amazon seller app for free and use that to figure out if a book was profitable. You didn't have to have the fancy scanner or scout IQ or scoutly or jungle scout or any of that stuff right away. You could over time. Uh, and I would recommend over time getting it, but right away you could start pretty, pretty cheap. Um, but now Amazon, even myself, I've had to get ungated in publishers on Amazon. And sometimes it's automatically like they will automatically approve me, but there's things now, even with books that are starting to cause barrier of entries, even on Amazon. Um, So now if someone were to start, they have no capital and they want to sell books. I would say start with eBay. Um, If you're a Poshmark seller, I would say try and see if you can get free books that are pretty and kind of fill it out on Poshmark if that's the you know area you're comfortable with. If you're comfortable with Macari, figure out stuff. I mean, and that's the other thing, like do a little bit of research to see what's selling well on the platform they want to dabble in. But eBay, um, yeah, I would say start with eBay and then just you know tell people what you do. Reach out to your local thrift stores, your churches, your libraries. See what they do with stuff that doesn't sell. Yep. See if they have stuff that they want to give you. Um, I, you know, I'm getting books from, uh, one of our local hospitals because they're closing down a section of the hospital. It's getting renovated and there's books there from way back when from different departments, you know, oncology, um, cardiology, like all these different departments, um, maternity, you know, all that. And people may think, well, what are you going to do with old medical books? Nobody's going to buy that. Well, collectors will. A doctor that's retired and likes that stuff will. You know what I mean? So. Yeah. I just sold a book the other day from the, I want to say it was the 1940s about heart disease. And I mean, that obviously has changed dramatically in the, whatever it's been 80 years since then, but the collectors and people who were in the medical field Mm -hmm. love that stuff. I just sold a a book from 1924 to a med school student, that medical book has nothing to do with what that person is trying to do today, but it's just something that they want to have in their library. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So there's a book for every buyer. And um, that's what I would suggest. I would suggest starting with eBay. Um, You don't need to necessarily have an eBay store. Uh, You can just start with the bare bones and, and go from there. That's, that's what I would suggest. And then follow, you know, get the YouTube content, get the free knowledge. Um, you don't need a course. You don't need a book selling course. You really don't just dive yeah. into the free knowledge. And I'm, I have friends that sell courses. I have friends that sell e-guides. I have friends that have free e-guides. Like I, you know, they have been doing it for 10, 15 years. Plus their knowledge is, you know, that's fine. Get their bread, do what you need to do. I have a lot of respect for that. I'm not hating on them, but if you're brand new, you don't necessarily need it. Um, Unless you're the type of person that just doesn't have the time to scour through YouTube. I do see the value in that. YouTube is broad and wide. So if you don't have the time to really sit on YouTube and try and go through videos and figure it out and you just want, 
it quick and fast and you want to pay for that and you have the money to pay for that, then that's fine too. Yeah. This is a, oh, a nice. comment that I've, I have all the time. I have several estate sellers that I've established relationships with. Yeah. And when their sales are over, even if I didn't go sometimes to the sales, they're sending me a text on Monday morning. Hey, we've got a room full of books. If you'll come haul them away, you can just have them. And you end up in a place like I'm at right now where I had to get a bigger storage unit because I've yeah. got so much stuff, I have nice but it's, <laughs> it's cheaper free. Unit. You know, I don't mind to sit on it at the prices mm -hmm. I'm paying for it. And I'll, I've got more than enough now to get me through the winter. If there are no garage sales. Yes. Doesn't matter to That's me at all. <laughs> That's how I see it too. And as long as every month I'm selling at least enough to cover the cost of that, which I am, you know, sometimes one book can cover the cost of my storage unit for yeah. the month. So it's like, I, it, it's okay. It's okay for now. Do yep. I want something like a nice fancy shed in my backyard? Yeah, sure. Of course I yeah. do. But for now, like the temperature controlled storage unit is nice to have and it keeps yep. the book safe and it's very convenient. And yeah, but yeah, that's definitely why I had to get a storage unit, especially with the schools. When I work at the schools, cause twice right. a year I'm going out there and getting large quantities from them. And yep. so you know, it's, it's a lot for sure. It can get yep. overwhelming. So with that, I would say when you, if you're going to do get inventory this way, not only have a plan of how you're going to network and obtain the inventory, have a plan of how you're going to sort, have a plan of how you're going to decide what's going to go on what platform, and then have a plan of how you're going to liquidate the stuff that you can't sell because whether you like it or not. Yeah. And I just did this on a one-on-one -on -one coaching call with somebody you are going to have to give up books that can't make you money <laughs> because they, oh, yeah. they, it's just fact. And I'm a book lover and it was hard for me, but you have to take the emotion out of it. You have to, and you have to either reach out to local charities or your local library or something that makes you feel good about giving the books away or talk to the goodwill manager and make sure that it's not going to end up in a landfill and ask them if they will take large quantities of books that you can't sell. Um, yeah. figure it out and try and feel good about whatever plan you got to figure out. Right. But make sure you have the start to finish because otherwise you get freaked out Yeah, and then and you get burnt out and then you don't want to do it anymore. Yeah. And e even knowing all that, it's still, sometimes I walk over to my storage unit and I'm like, Oh my God, what have I done? Me too. <laughs> me too. Man, me too. I swear to God, me too. But then I'm like, you know, I, I try to approach it as like, I get to do right. this versus sitting at a desk doing, I did, I was a commercial lender for 12 years. Yeah. You know, I, I don't ever want to get back into that corporate life again. So right. that's what kind of pulls me back. Yeah. And it's like, you know, you get to do this. Yep. Well, and like today I picked up almost 1600 books. I paid $60 for them nice. and I've already sold one of them for 30 bucks. So I'm halfway yeah. to making my money on one book oh, out yeah. of almost 1600. I mean, it's just thing. that, that keeps you going. Yeah. <laughs> and there's not you know a what? lot of categories that you can do that in media is one mm -hmm. books in particular, where there tends to be large quantities of stuff available for free 99 or not mm -hmm. much more than that. And it makes it super attractive for somebody that's trying to get into this game with not a lot of capital. Yes. Mm-hmm. 100%. So that seems like a great place to call it a night. I want to thank everybody that came out in the chat and had questions or comments. I appreciate everybody coming out. Do you have any last words for the fans? <laughs> for the fans. Oh Lord. <laughs> um, just, you know, guys, I appreciate everyone that came into the chat tonight. Um, and I appreciate, you know, all the feedback, all the support. Um, check out you know, the channel. Um, I am offering one-on-one uh, -on -one, um, coaching calls as well. I've helped a few different people. Um, so I do want to try and help beyond just the YouTube because YouTube's like the blasted free content. But if you want kind of like, this is what I've got going on, help me specifically with this. I am more than happy to do that. And I, I, um, it just really feels good to see people make money based on how I've giving them advice, you know, cause right. you've got to take the action. All I can do is, you know, help you and give you advice. You got to take the action. You got to make it happen. And, um, I'm so proud of every single one of you that message me and say, 
I sold this or I did this or, you know, I made money because of this or I'm selling books now because of you. That makes me feel really good. I'm really proud of you guys for taking that action. And thank you so much for listening to some random girl on the Internet that really (laughs) likes books. Uh, Well, and again, it's one of those things that makes you feel really good, like the person that spent 99 cents on your short story. Yes. Random people that reach out. I have the same thing. You get a message on Instagram. Hey, I, I listened to your podcast and learned this or learned that and put it to use and made some money. That makes doing all of this worthwhile. So I echo your sentiment. I really appreciate people that are trying to get in and trying to find something new to do and a new way to make money and taking advantage of the resources that are out there. People Absolutely. like you. So again, for everyone who stopped out tonight and especially to you, Katie, thank you so much for spending a little time. Thank and you now. For It's time to sell. You have been listening to the Galaxy CDs Rocks and Flips Reseller Talk podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in, and we will catch you again next time.